Welcome to the Littler Artificial Intelligence and Robotics Podcast. Conversations about employers integrating robotics and AI systems into their workplaces in the United States and worldwide. This is Natalie Pierce. I co-chair Littler's Robotics, Artificial Intelligence, and Automation Practice Group. What some listeners may not know is that I also serve as co-chair of our firm's Diversity and Inclusion Council. That is why I am particularly excited to be joined today from across the world by the incomparable Tanya de Jong. Welcome, Tanya. I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much, Natalie. It's a pleasure. So, what does diversity and inclusion have to do with robots and AI? It was not until I had the pleasure of watching Tanya present, perform, and then speak privately with me that the important and very obvious correlations and opportunities through those correlations became quite evident. While we have in the past discussed using AI tools for fair recruiting and combating unconscious bias in general, we have not yet more holistically discussed DNIC efforts in the greater context of helping workforces and societies as a whole better withstand ever faster approaching technological changes, disruption, and uncertainty. So today, with Tanya, we will discuss these concepts in this podcast, which we are calling Developing New Leadership Mindsets in the Age of Acceleration. In order to manage and prepare for a rapidly changing world and the fourth industrial revolution, we will need to work together to raise our collective consciousness and build human intelligence 2.0 skills, which Tanya will walk us through. Let me tell you a little bit about the incomparable Tanya. Tanya de Jong is one of Australia's most successful female entrepreneurs and innovators, having developed five businesses and three charities over three decades. Her effort earned her Ernst & Young's Australian Social Entrepreneur of the Year Award and recognition as one of Australia's 100 most influential entrepreneurs. In addition to presenting keynote speeches and giving leadership programs around the world, she is also an acclaimed soprano singer. I've had the pleasure of hearing Tanya sing, and I've watched her TED Talk, How Singing Together Changes the Brain. So with that, let's get to the heart of today's podcast by letting me ask you, Tanya, what inspired you to begin building leadership programs to develop a culture of innovation, diversity, and inclusion in this age of acceleration. Oh, look, Natalie, it's a lovely introduction. Thank you so much, and um, it was a pleasure to meet you at the at the conference that we were at. And I guess um, I feel that we're at a really critical juncture in the evolution of of humanity and human civilization, where people are finding it harder and harder to keep up with with the pace of change. And so more and more people are being left behind by the pace of change. And of course, that includes very educated people who have quite high profile jobs, as well as people who are being left behind because they're actually disadvantaged and marginalized. So I felt it was incredibly important to bring programs to corporations and organizations and government departments that I work with that really help people to step more into a right-brained headspace and to foster a true culture of innovation and 
to really nurture diversity and inclusion because we tend to talk about those concepts of diversity and inclusion a lot. We pay them a lot of lip service. But to actually run a true culture of innovation, diversity and inclusion is, is much more difficult in practice. And to include the many voices in an organisation is... It takes a lot of active participation and active invitation and we have to invite some of those people who are introverts where often some of the best ideas reside but who are often afraid to speak up to, to also have the chance to contribute to the dialogue because often it's the loudest voices that, you know, win the day. <laughs> um, That's very so true. It's, it's important to build teams that, um, you know, where everyone's diverse, unique voice can be celebrated and heard, seen and heard. We must all be seen and heard to feel valued, both within our families as individuals and then in, in communities and in, in corporations. So that's really why I started to work more and more in this space. I mean, I've, I've worked a lot in corporations and government for, for many, many years. And I've also become increasingly aware of a sense of of panic, of fear, of great uncertainty over the accelerating complexity of technological change and, and an increasing loneliness and social isolation and depression that is pervading all of our lives. So I feel it's really important to talk about these things and, and act on them. Yes. Well, thank you, Tanya, and, and so perfectly said. What a terrific introduction to our discussion and why uh, I think both you and I felt it important to bring this podcast to our listeners. You know, while many in our communities are apprehensive about the impact the fourth industrial revolution may have on businesses, jobs, and economy, many see this revolution as an opportunity to shape our future for the better. Tanya, you and I share that belief. You're a believer that the opportunity to shape our future for the better exists and can be achieved through deliberate efforts. Tanya, can you please take our conversation there next? Yes, so one of the most important things we will see this acceleration of technology actually create a, a more abundant and fairer world is, number one, by thinking very, very clearly about the attributes of human beings that set us apart from machines and how we can nurture those attributes. So attributes such as love, caring, compassion, courage, creativity, determination and so on. If we nurture those attributes, then in the face of increasing robots and artificial intelligence, we as human beings can still remain relevant and hopefully then we can work with machines hand in hand as partners to find solutions to the increasing social and economic problems that we're facing. Of course, the other alternative is that we cede our power to those machines and, and we don't continue to, to nurture those human attributes that at the moment are pretty hard for machines to, to do. And we end up in a world uh, some people call the world of artificial ignorance. And... Uh, Margaret Wheatley wrote a book called Who Do We Choose to Be? She said, this is the age of retreat from one another, from values that held us together, from ideas and practices that encouraged inclusion, 
from faith in leaders, from belief in basic human goodness. So artificial ignorance is everywhere. You know, we see this everywhere, the lack of political courage, the building of walls and boxes between us all. We also fail to collaborate properly across national boundaries. There's increasing self-interest and greed, which is superseding compassion. And we've seemingly lost the ability to solve the global problems of our time. And, and the only antidote to artificial ignorance is wisdom. And I believe the only way to develop that wisdom is to start to really nurture those right-brained attributes of human beings that do separate us from machines and that, that right side of our brain, um, naturally, you know, I, I talked about this in my speech at the conference about the fact that we've come from this very industrial revolution, top-down command and control world that is very afraid of, of failure and tends to hold the power and assets for itself. And I don't say this in any type of sexist way, but that's been very typical of a, a male archetypal type of model with a very pyramidal structure and then now it's being recognised that we're moving to these more collective communities and movements which are about empowerment and compassion and caring and nurturing and which instead of holding all the power and assets to themselves share power and share abundance and we're going to need to share more and more abundance because realistically more people will be left behind by the pace of change because they can't keep up with it. So we are going to have to look after more people who are not able to be employed in, in this environment, no matter how much we retrain people or even how much we redistribute wealth, we're still going to have to look after a lot more people if we're going to have a community that is truly caring. Tanya, you're absolutely right. That was something that really resonated when I heard you speak. And I liked this notion of developing the new mindsets. And if we just focus on something you just said, which was how critical it is now, because we have such uncertainty that we really do try to move from this industrial age, command and control thinking to this fourth revolution type thinking that really ought to include concepts of enabling and empowering and fostering collaborative thinking. No, that's absolutely right. And I mean, we spend a lot of the time, unfortunately, in the left side of our brains. You know, the, let's call it the, the left side. I mean, there's an argument about left and right. But for the sake of this conversation, let's say that the the left side, which is the more industrial revolution side, the logical, analytical, rational side, you know, we spend about 85% of our time in that side of our brain being overwhelmed by facts and figures and literally draining our batteries and isolating ourselves because that side of our brain keeps us separate, whereas the right hemisphere of our brain is responsible for our intuition, imagination or our creative functions. And the right side connects us to one another in a world of possibilities and to all that is. And it literally is our human battery charger. So how are we going to, you know, ensure that, that we as human beings, as leaders, that we can spend more time recharging our batteries in the right side of our brain? I mean, and there's a lot of activities that do help us to recharge the right side of our brain. For example, of course, meditation is, is one of the ones that's well-known even just being in the shower, um, you know, walking in nature, hugging our loved ones, our pets, 
these are all things that help us to unleash more of our creativity and help us from, for, you know, and renew us so that we can actually become more collaborative and, and empower those around us as well as making sure that we ourselves are, are staying fresh and are creative in ourselves. So that's a, a really important part of what we need to do. Uh, of course, singing and dancing, and I'll talk further about that in this program, but singing and, and dancing and, and singing in particular have been shown to increase the neuroplasticity of our brains to make us smarter, healthier, happier and more creative, particularly when we sing with other people. And dancing is also similar. And these are activities that traditionally people think of as, you know, something that we just do on the side, but actually it's becoming more and more evident that we need to, to bring these sorts of activities into our daily life, just like meditating. And that reminds me of a concept that you've talked about in the concept of fostering greater inclusion and diversity to get us through these times of greater disruption and acceleration of technological change, and that's the concept of powerful human collisions. Uh, Can you share with yeah, our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I call it positive human collisions, but they're powerful too. And um, so what happens <laughs> is we, we tend to spend um, most of our time being with people who are just like us, who have similar educational and financial backgrounds. We even wear similar clothes. We share a lot in common, and, of course, we feel comfortable with people who are, who are like us who agree with us and, and so on. But our greatest gains as human beings are when we connect with people who are very different from us, who challenge our thinking, who disagree with us, who are very different than us, and it can feel very uncomfortable. Boy, can it feel uncomfortable. But that's when our greatest gains as human beings occur and when we experience what I like to call creative abrasion. And that positive human collisions is where true innovation and creativity can spark. I always encourage people to go and seek an alien, to deliberately go and connect with people who are very different from them on a regular basis to make sure that your boards and your committees and your organising groups are made up of people of different generations and backgrounds and cultures and religions so that you deliberately do get that disagreement. And it's in that diversity. And that's, that shows itself up also in nature. We see that nature, when it's working at its best, is very diverse. And we need to foster that concept of natural diversity, which goes very much against, you know, what we're used to to doing it. Um, but tribes, you know, tribes um, traditionally over the ages, of course, were, were quite diverse. And, of course, tribes who thrived sang and danced together as well. <laughs> Just bring that back. But, you know, we can all sing and dance together because singing and dancing are a common language and you don't need to speak English to be able to do those things. Yes. And I think there's so much to that. Let me shift this a little bit because the other thing that we've talked about in the past is this concept of developing a new mindset that focuses us away from these industrial age concepts of fear of failure, fight or flight to a new mindset that really works better in this age and one that we'll need to adapt to in order to really be able to reskill, retrain, 
and have success in this new industrial age. And that's um, moving to a corporate mindset where it's okay to experiment, fail fast, and try again. This does take courage, and this goes to the old saying that with greater risk can come greater reward. How, in your experience, can leadership help others and themselves push past this fear of failure? Well, again, I mean, so part of that is going back to that concept of positive human collision. So really, like as a leader, encouraging people to connect the dots differently. You know, Steve Jobs famously said that creativity is just about connecting things. So if you want or need to get creative, then you need that rich and diverse toolbox of life experiences, and you get that through connecting with people. And when you connect with people who disagree with you, you start to lose some of your risk aversiveness. <laughs> and of course, you know, risk aversion is something that happens a lot in large organisations and government in particular, where there's a massive fear of failure. But the other way, of course, is to have pockets of experimentation occurring within organisations where you're, in a sense, creating your 2.0 business model and where you have groups of people hopefully diverse groups of people, (laughs) coming together regularly to experiment with new ideas and implement on new ideas. And um, I I think I told the story at the conference of my grandmother uh, who very famously invented the very first foldable umbrella in Vienna in 1929. And we have her working notes where... She talks about, you know, I tried this today, um, I failed, but tomorrow I'm going to try this, and then, you know, and so on. This goes on for many months. And uh, eventually, of course, after about six months of trying and failing every day, she succeeds in patenting the first foldable umbrella. And I always now like to think of the word fail as first attempt in learning. So if we're learning and we're learning from our mistakes, and that's, fantastic and really if you look at any successful entrepreneur anywhere (laughs) they will talk about multiple times that they've failed uh, and what they've learned from those failures and then how that's helped them to ultimately become successful. The other really important thing about failure of course is that it builds resilience and we need to become more and more resilient in an age of increasing uncertainty so we need to be able to pivot and be able to move our ideas and implement our ideas differently when whatever concept we initially held is proven wrong doesn't mean the idea itself is bad but it means that we actually need to shift gears maybe take in some new ideas from some of our diverse colleagues to find um, the wisdom of the crowd and find the the solution that we're looking for so so very true and i i think this is a really good place to wrap up by sort of combining these notions, the notion of, of fail and the notions of positive human collisions and the positive impact that both these notions and embracing these new mindsets can have on getting us through the fourth industrial revolution. And so we touched yeah. upon it briefly earlier in the podcast, but I would really love you to share more information about this organization you founded, uh, One Voice, and it it is something you discuss in your TED Talk, which we will attach to our podcast along with some other links, 
but it's really a beautiful example of the power of positive human collisions in this and in the time of disruption and transition. Can you share some of those lessons learned with our podcast listeners? Yes, yeah, I'd be delighted to. So, so my third, uh, well, one of my chats, so I founded three charities, and the uh, second of those is Creativity Australia and the With One Voice program. And I thought it would be really awesome to bring together the power of positive human collisions with the neuroscientific benefits of singing, which are well proven, to help to create a more caring and just sharing uh, community and to alleviate increasing loneliness, isolation, and depression. So I founded this 10 years ago, and every week we deliberately bring together the most diverse people possible. So people like all of us, probably on the podcast, you know, CEOs, doctors, lawyers, teachers, students, but people like us who are fortunate, who, who do generally feel a sense of belonging with those who are less fortunate, so those with depression and disabilities, migrants, job seekers, age from 9 to 90 of all faiths and all backgrounds, haves and have-nots. And every week we create a bridge for people to connect and recognise their common humanity. Because it's important to note that though most of us probably on listening on this podcast feel included, something in our life could mean that we go down the bridge to feeling less included and indeed excluded and we're going to need a supportive community who's going to help us get back to feeling included. So we all need supportive networks and communities when times get tough. So we come together with professional conductors each week. We sing songs. We don't use sheet music because we don't want to place any barriers in the way of people. And we share supper and we share a wish list program and through the wish list program anyone in the choir can ask for whatever they need from the choir group so people might ask things like I'd love help with my resume I'd like to find a job someone to walk home with I want to find a partner I'd like free guitar lessons I'm looking for accommodation and the wishes are read out and then people put up their hands to help grant the wishes and because everyone's in such a receptive headspace because of the, the fabulous endorphins and the neuroplasticity created by singing together, the increased neural connections, we've had over 3,500 wishes granted since 2013 when we started that particular program and literally created hundreds of jobs, work experience, mentoring opportunities. We've even had a marriage. Oh, and actually, we've had two marriages now. We're not a dating agency. <laughs> and we've connected people who otherwise would not be connected uh, where they feel a sense of belonging, a sense of hope, and a sense of joy. And, you know, I can be feeling seriously grumpy and after five minutes at choir, you know, my brain has shifted into a, a different mindset. We now have started a social franchise so that communities all over the world can replicate a With One Voice program using our how-to guide and, and video resources. So we actually started with one program in Melbourne and now we have 25 in Australia and we have requests from all over the world of people wanting to, to replicate With One Voice communities, especially since my TED Talk. But really, you know, it's about raising people's consciousness about these issues. It's, it's about empowering people to ask and to give and receive. Everyone wants to give and receive. They just need to find, you know, how to do that. And we all want to be caring and sharing 
citizens. We don't want to see other people who are being left behind. And I always like to, to think of that quote that Muhammad Ali said, you know, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. And yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we all have a wonderful opportunity to serve others as our clients, as employees, as leaders. I really hope that this podcast inspires others. You know, different approaches to organizational effectiveness and change will become possible as cells of agile culture build up around successful implementation of changes in, in terms of implementing robotics, artificial intelligence, and also localized self-management. And I do think that, that part of what our listeners should take away from today is that agility is key and also that diversity and inclusion is key. And we must be intentional in our efforts. And Tanya, you and your organizations contribute to these critical initiatives. So I thank you for this podcast and please carry on the great work. No, it's my pleasure. And, you know, I think that all of us need to, to be thinking really seriously about how we can develop the neural connections and pathways to, to become more agile but in that agility not to forget about people who are struggling. Exactly. Well, thank you once again. As I mentioned, we will have links to some of Tanya's work, including some links to highlights from her singing and also TED Talk and a short clip on One Voice. And for those of you who want to learn more about Littler's robotics and AI practice, you can go to www.littler.com and find our practice group page on the site. Thank you again. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.